And welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. I'm your host, Derek Scott III, but with my really good friend, Brooke Lawrence. Brooke, how you doing today? Um, you'll have to un unmute to, to tell us how you're doing. I am. I'm doing really well today. I've got my Christmas colors. Oh, yes, you do. It seems yes, like a do. lot more, <laughs> it seems a lot more apparent to me than anyone else I've interacted with, but I'm, I'm feeling festive. No, I, I'm seeing it. I, I, I like it. I'm with you. Christmas festive right there. Um, we also have Allison Corin, who is like the backbone of Studio Wesley. Allison, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's good to see you, Allison. Really grateful that you're here. And my good friend, Bryant Manning, who is the campus minister at FSU Wesley. Bryant, how are you doing, my friend? So good. Thank you awesome. for having me. Great, grateful to be here. Super cool. Well, we are going to get started um, with our, this is the fourth week of Advent. We have moved so quickly through this season, but it has been really, really good. And I'm quite, quite grateful um, for this time that we've got together. So we're going to dive into these texts and it's going to be beautiful. So Brooke, would you get us started off with a prayer, please? Yes, I can. Um, yeah, I have different ways to start in prayer. You do like ready, pray, um, <laughs> Ready, pray. Um, dear God, thank you so much for um, for being here with us. Thank you for technology <laughs> and the many ways that humans have developed that makes this moment possible. And God, I ask that you will be present with us in this time and that you will, um, you will let your love and your truth and who you are be shown and illuminated through our words and that we may all um, go on to love and um, to have that presence and kindness of Christ um, with us as we move through this season. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're excited about today's episode and, and our discussion today. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to be looking at Romans 1, Isaiah 7, Psalm 80, and Matthew chapter 1. And Brooke's going to get us started off with Romans chapter 1. So, Brooke, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, I, um, we're doing a, um, I don't know, we might be diving into Romans with CCW next semester. And Haley was saying, she was like, Brooke, like, you already know so much about Romans. Didn't you, like, lead that summer Bible study about Romans? And I was like, Haley, like, I I know nothing about Romans. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I did stuff for that Bible study. None of it translated. So I'm, I am bringing this from, uh, from Romans. But I, um, again, we have a lot of room for, um, different levels of information with our with our <laughs> with our stuff. So I um I have Romans one, chapter one, one through seven, if that's correct. Um and it's kind of a weird section because it's like the first part. It's literally like the salutation. So it's talking, it's like, hey, I'm Paul. And um, it would be like if I introduced myself, um, if Derek was like, Brooke, introduce yourself. And I'm like, hey, I'm Brooke. I am a servant of Jesus Christ who was born and then he died. And then I like give the whole creed. And that's like my introduction. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically what he does, which I think um, 
No, like it's beautiful. And I think it speaks to Paul's deep sense of purpose. And honestly, um, I struggle. If it's not like a narrative or something, it, it can feel kind of dry to me. So I was, I was kind of struggling with this text at first. But there's some language that I find really interesting because there's a lot of assumptions that I bring with me when I read what Paul writes, right? Like I, um, I don't know. I, in my head, right, there's a few things that I know I'm against, um, I won't. I won't list off all of those things. But one of the things I just have in my head is like, if Paul has an opinion, I'm probably going to disagree with it. So that that's how I like come into. <laughs> that's how I come into Paul. I'm working on that. But, um, so I was surprised by um, by the way that there are lines. <laughs> there are lines in this short salutation that I don't struggle with as much. Um, I'm going to read a little bit about what he says about Jesus. And I want to make it clear, like, I'm a run-on sentence person. Like, I don't even know if I've had a period this whole time I've been talking. But, like, this is this is a paragraph, and it's a sentence. But part of this sentence, um, Jesus Christ, our Lord, I'm starting um, one four, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Um, and as I read more of Paul, right, like I am, I am wanting to go to grad school and think more about this. Um, there really is so much to unpack every sentence because there, there's like a lot going on um, and I'm sure like a lot of context with the words, but there's there's a few words in here that I don't struggle with. Um, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name. A few concepts in there. Um, just talking about where I'm at. I struggle with the use of the term obedience of faith and um, the Gentiles for the sake of his name, because to me, those seem like very hierarchical terms and almost like an authoritarian approach to spirituality. And yet they also have this context. That I believe that Paul is working against that, right? When, when we talk about obedience to Jesus, part of that is this, this strange mutuality of Jesus, how Jesus is both um, Alpha and Omega, right? Like Jesus is um, is the lowest and the high, <laughs> the low, lowest and the highest among us. Um, so it comes with that context, and of course, like I don't know the original phrase Paul used, but I struggle with that. But what I do really like about it is this idea of through whom we have received grace and apostleship. I like that idea of we have received, like the, the way he's talking to everyone in this community and including all of them in this, and the way that, um, and the idea of apostleship, just I, I really like that inclusion. And then the second thing I really like is the very last verse, 
um, to all God's beloved saints in Rome, uh, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, grace, grace and peace to you is a phrase that I've really heard a lot in church spaces <laughs> over the past few years. And it's one of those phrases like um, that we say a lot, but if you really think about what that means to wish grace and peace to someone, I think is a really deep thing. What I love is reading, um, reading like a salutation to this and one of those letters where like Paul just like throws down everyone immediately after and he just starts calling out people. Um, again, I don't remember enough about Romans to know if that's where this is going or not, but um, beside that, I, I just think that's, um, it's just such a beautiful wish to wish grace and peace to this group of people who, I mean, Paul's like in this mess with them. <laughs> Paul like knows, um, I mean, we have like church drama, right? But like they're having their church drama. Paul's go to all these communities and deal with their messes. But just to, to start with that opening of grace and peace with you. Um, and, and even this idea of to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints. Um, I own it. That's just a beautiful wish and a beautiful hope for people, I would say. Awesome. Brooke, thank you for those thoughts. Um, I, I would just say that I, one of the things I find very fascinating about this opening of Romans is the sense that Paul, if he's going to introduce himself, he must talk about Jesus. And there's like really inauthentic ways of doing that. Um, but this feels very authentic that if I'm going to introduce myself, I must talk about the one who called me, the one who saved me. And that's not just about me, but that's about all of us here. Um, and so many of, of, of the letters of the New Testament kind of start this way. It, it reminds me of John's letters in the back of the New Testament. It's like, um, you know, our fellowship is with, with the Father and with Jesus Christ and also with you. And, and, and it's if I'm, we're going to talk about us, we got to talk about Jesus, we got to talk about God. And like, I just think that that is, that there's something really, really um, uh, uh, endearing about that in the way that Paul introduces himself. And, 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 Yes, Brooke, you are correct that it is Romans is going to get hot. And um, <laughs> there might be a much larger discussion about Romans uh, between Studio Wesley and CCW and some other folks uh, in, in the spring semester of 2023. But we're going to stay in the fourth week of Advent. So I'm wondering, uh, Brian, Allison, you have any thoughts uh, about the Romans text uh, as we continue our discussion together? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Romans is is the theological letter of Paul. I mean, if you look at um, all of Paul's work, I mean, the, the core of what the church has argued about with Paul and also the core of where we pull a lot of modern theology comes out of Romans. I mean, how much have we fought the Calvinist versus Arminian things between Romans 8 and 9? I mean, those are that the core of, of what we consider theology today is Romans. I have to think that when Paul was writing this, I mean, he knew what he was going to talk about, right? He knew that this was going to be heavy material. It was going to be a theological material. I love the fact that she pointed out his run on sentences because that is like so Paul, like he does that so much. Um, I also love that like we don't 
like if you look at the manuscripts that we have, like there's no punctuation in there. So literally the English writer or the English translators or whoever's translating is the one deciding like where those sentences go, right? And so the fact that we're continuing like, well, he just kept going and going and going. It does a great, a great uh, insight into who Paul is. Um, but but he has this he has to set up because he knows the 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 heaviness, he knows the the um, the strength of what he's going to say that he's got to set up, here's who I am. And I feel like you see this a lot in his writing where he, you know, he's got to, he's got to back up who he is. He, he was not a disciple. Like he was not one of the 12, right? One of the 12 apostles, but he calls himself apostle because he's got to validify who he is. And he calls himself because of the road to Damascus, right? He, he calls himself because of the experience he has with Jesus. He, he met with Jesus period, right? And so he's able to say, you know, that that's that's my qualifications and I'm going to set this up. Um, and so that's why he goes into this big intro. Um, and he also starts almost every letter, if not all of them, with grace and peace, which is, I think, uh, you know, I always think of it because I've, I've seen pastors use it all the time and, you know, answer their emails with it and start big um, annual conferences with it and that sort of thing. But it's this kind of uh, participate participation in the traditions of the writers who have brought us to this place. Um, the other thing I was going to say about Brooke, I love when she said, like, I, I just go into it knowing I'm going to disagree with him. Like, that's the kind of wrestling with scripture that I try to encourage my students to do, right? Like, wrestle with it, push back against a little bit, have it teach you, and then push back. And, okay, I see what he's saying there, but I don't know about that, you know, that sort of thing. And there's there's a relationship that's built with scripture with that instead of just you know, a mindless adherence. Um, and so I really love that she pointed that out too. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is necessarily about the text, but just on that whole grace and peace thing and what Brooke was saying about it. Um, I do think it's interesting and I appreciate her kind of pulling out more of the meaning and depth behind that because I do remember like my first church experience in high school because I was a lot older when I started going to church and like them saying something similar to me and being like, why are these strangers saying these things, like I completely missed the mark there. Um, and obviously like as I've uh, grown into the church and kind of understand, I understand more things now and it makes more sense, but I just kind of appreciate pulling that from that text and adding more of that depth and meaning behind the phrase itself. Oh, so good. Uh, Brooke, thanks for that reflection. We're gonna keep moving and I get to talk about Isaiah, uh, who is my dude or one of three of my dudes, depending on how you understand sort of the history and thought uh, behind this uh, incredible text. I get to talk about Isaiah 7, um, and there's a lot happening in Isaiah 7, and I, I just want to say that often, particularly in the season of Advent, um, when we are you know, diving into these lectionary texts, it's usually one text out of the Old Testament that comes to us as a, a prophecy. It's something that was written hundreds of years before Christ comes on the scene, but we uh, sometimes tend to look at it as this foretelling, this prophecy about the coming of Jesus into the world. And, and I want to say that, that that is a valid way of looking at these texts. I also do... I want to recognize that the, when these these words were being spoken, when these words were being written down, these prophecies were sort of being given to the people of God, the po folks who were saying it, the folks who heard it, weren't necessarily thinking that these were going to be prophecies about something 
related to the Messiah. I think there's a couple that I think they were definitely going there, but most of them, I think they were like, actually, I, was, I thought I was talking about this thing. I thought that's what, and I just want to name that, like, that's some of this, like, dissonance that we actually walk into, you know, we can actually kind of get, um, we can make room for, I'll say it that way, we can make room for that dissonance that the intent of the of Isaiah um, in this chapter, in this moment, may not necessarily be matched with the prophecies we attach to these words. And that's beautiful. That's okay. And so one of the ways that I think about particularly this text is how things that have happened to, um, to us, to our people in the world, we can hold them and be reminded of them as we are navigating today. And so we don't necessarily have to assume that these things that happened way in the past are straight line talking about this moment, but we can be inspired, we can be challenged. Um, this can add to and color the way that we sort of step into the space. And quite honestly, this is what we do with, with scripture by and large, right? Like scripture is often, most often not talking about 2021, um, uh, I'm sorry, we're in 2022, aren't we? 2022, college-age young adult life. Like most of scripture just has no context of, of that. And yet we can hold it and recognize it speaking to some very specific things. And also it can speak to this moment. And so I just uh, actually lift up again, the text that we often will use to talk about the birth of Christ. Um, and again, the, we don't read the whole text um, uh, here at Annex, but we do invite you to read it because there's some really good stuff here. But in Isaiah chapter seven, um, the text starts at verse 10 and, and it goes to verse 17. Um, and there's this thing happening actually within it, right? Like where Ahaz is like being encouraged to speak some things out loud. And Isaiah's like, I, I don't even know what to do with you, my guy. Like it's just some, some interesting things there that are actually happening in the foreground. And in the background in verse 14, there's this really interesting, uh, really interesting verse, verse 14. Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son and she will name him Emmanuel. And that term Emmanuel, it's a, it's a Hebrew term that means God is with us. And so I think it's interesting just the way this whole sort of moment plays out. There's this thing happening in the foreground and then there's these words that are spoken that I'm, I'm sure that if people were standing there um, at the moment that Isaiah makes this prophecy, they're like, what does a young woman getting pregnant have to do with this? And and we, we could talk about that, but I think the thing is, like, within the midst of this thing happening, there's this word that is affirming that God is with us. And here's the deal. Yes, we often think about these words, talking about the future, a young woman's going to conceive their son and they're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we're talking about the birth of Christ. But I think there's even something going on in this moment where Isaiah is trying to say in the midst of all this stuff that's happening in the foreground, um, God is with us. And I wonder if uh, the challenge of this text is to listen for the ways that the spirit is trying to say to us in this moment, I'm still here. I'm still here. And yeah, it comes in these weird things. It's like, I, I don't completely know what a woman getting pregnant and having a son, and yet somehow in the midst of that, it's like, 
and God's with you. And it just reminds me of these really crazy moments of my of my journey, even in the last few months of some really heartbreaking things that have happened to me and my family and these jokes that have been made in the midst of these heartbreaking moments. And it just reminds me that God is with me. But in part, I'm kicking up that God is with me in these weird moments where this weird joke gets made because I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to these ways that God is trying to remind me that yes, it's hard. Yes, it's weird. Yes, there's all kinds of drama around us, but God is with us. I mean, it would be interesting if we would be paying attention um, to things happening in our lives on campus, right? Like things happening in the midst of classes and some the teacher says something and then a student responds and there's this really weird moment of levity. And could it be that that weird moment of levity is God's way of saying, I'm with you. And we don't have to figure it out. Like, we don't have to, like, try to boil it down. It's like, this moment means this. And, like, it goes like, a, I mean, yes, if you want to do all that calculus, cool. But I think for many of us, just having these moments where the Holy Spirit is able to say in the midst of this, Emmanuel, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I've been here, and I'm going to be here. There are some people that really wish that I had taken a moment to really reflect on how uh, this prophecy either takes us forward or fits into Isaiah 7. And we could totally do that. But I think what's actually the most important piece for me today in, in thinking about the fourth week of Advent is that in the midst of everything that's happening, in the middle of all of it is this one word, Emmanuel, God with us. And that I think is the best thing of all. John Wesley said, that's the best thing of all. And so even if we don't understand how these pieces fit together, we don't understand how this projects to that, how this that thing in the past speaks to this moment, or even how we got here, in the middle of all of this is the Holy Spirit trying to say to us, whether through really, really interesting images or just in a still small voice, I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I will always be with you and I will never leave you. And so that is my take. And so now I invite my friends to say, Derek, how much time did you spend preparing on that text? And I'll tell you, this is what I did. I opened up a bunch of commentaries. I'm like, okay, let me try to like, and I got all like all over the place with it. It's like, okay, this is what And I was like, you know what? No, because in the midst of all of this, there's really one thing that's important. Emmanuel, God with us. That that is everything else is gravy or icing or extra or the you know the wasabi on the side of the sushi plate. Whatever you want to like term it. Everything else is 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 extra. God with us in the midst of all of the stuff that's going on. That's the piece that is most important. And so now I'll let my friends correct me and and uh, say some other things in their comments about uh, what I just said. I like I've, I I love what you were talking about with the Emmanuel Derek. Um, I actually think this is the stuff of the Isaiah texts that I love when you when you compare Isaiah to some of the other prophetic voices and within the Old Testament. They sometimes can be pretty hard to read, right? Like just make it through Jeremiah without crying. It's it's hard because it it, it seems condemning and it seems judgmental and it seems harmful in some ways. Um, and so I, I love that the the text and we always point to this right during the Advent and Christmas season, um, coming back to you no know, Isaiah saying God is here, right? That's this this like this way that we've developed this sense of judgment or, or at least our ears have judged towards the judgment of God. No, no, no. 
God's coming here, like with us here. I also super related to this this section at the end of this text um, about the time in which he knows good from evil. I love that it kind of, I mean, it, not kind of, it, it makes Jesus human um, because there is this time in which you grow up, right? Where you don't really know good or evil. I mean, I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I can tell you they don't know. They have to be taught, right? And so um, I love that there's that period of time. And it also reminds me, just a little personal story real quick. I, um, my first acting role probably should have been my only acting role was when I was 12. I played Jesus at 12 at the temple when he's listening to the priests and correcting them. And Mary and Joseph come looking for him because he got lost at the temple and he's, you know, hanging out uh, with his people. And I remember my line, it was, um, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? And um, I love that kind of like, that's a moment in Jesus's life where we can see, you know, his ministry begins at his baptism and after he goes in the wilderness and all that. But like, we can see the kind of moment in which he becomes like knowledgeable about what's going on here, right? Um, which I think a lot of people have a hard time because they're like, what? God came in the form of a baby, right? Um, but there is this kind of growth moment that happens even with God, Um in that. So I, I just love that they, that was pointed out in the Isaiah passage. Love it. Love it. Brooke, Allison, y'all got any thoughts? Yeah, I, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to do this with you, Derek, and to do it with you every week. Cause you just like come right out with a sermon. You're like, you're like, Oh, I didn't even prepare. Um, it's good. <laughs> but I did prepare. I did. Oh, I, I know. I know. My preparation. <laughs> um, you just like whip this stuff together. Um, no, but I, um, I mean, like when I was a student, those messages really meant a lot to me because you, you would always take this like really, this text, right? And then you would be like, oh, but this is how, this is how we can use that in our lives. Um, I appreciate you bringing that here too. Um, appreciate to get my little mini Derek sermon back in my life. Um, I um, I really find the message that God is with us very powerful. Um, I, um, you know, vocationally, <laughs> I, I feel called to really think a lot about suffering and to contemplate that. And when I think of the problem of evil, um, I really, I really find comfort and I know it doesn't work for everyone. Like I don't like, this is my answer. I know it like it doesn't do it for a lot of people, but for me, it really is meaningful that, that God is with us in our pain and God is with us in our humanity. Um, and even just like reading the look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son, just the humanness of that of including a young woman in your story and including a baby in the story and, and a child. Um, the fact that God is so big <laughs> and so much, um, and God has so much to say, but yet, yet we believe that God made God's self a child um, and came here to be with us. That That is so powerful and profound. Um, I also just want to point out how you were saying it at the end, Derek, I wish I could have said it right away because I could have gotten it right. But you were like, God is with us. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. Um, like, it just sounded like a pop song. You know, like, I was like, <laughs> we didn't make that an album, you know. 
Not really. That, I, you know, I, it probably is. I'm sure if I like Googled it, I could find a worship song with those lyrics. But Taylor, Taylor's working on the, the follow up. I can feel it. I can feel it. Taylor's listening to it. Taylor Swift is who I'm talking about, y'all. Okay. Taylor Swift is watching this out, watching this episode, and she's like, "That's my next album. Never leave. Never leave. I'm here for it. Just send us some of them royalties, Taylor, and get that Ticketmaster stuff fixed." Okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be talking. Uh, yeah. I Taylor Swift is definitely. If you're if you're listening to this right now, you're in good company. Um. I don't know if we could be sued for lying misinformation. I don't know, but okay. I'm going to stop talking. You know, I had a whole thing planned and now you brought up Taylor Swift and my brain is just like done. <laughs> um, I will say um, I was actually going to start similar to Brooke did where like, so, when I, sometimes when I do these things with you, Derek, I'm like sitting here and I'm like, did I just sit through a gathering? Did I just get a message? What's happening right now? And then I'm like, well, after every gathering, I always needed like nine business days to process everything you said before I fully understood it. You could use those nine business days to maybe process what my face was doing, you know? And I just, it's always so, so good. But I do want to, one of the things that I did kind of grasp onto is, I mean, your whole point of like God with us. And I think it's, so important to like pull that from a text that could seem so hard to read when you first read it um, to kind of give, I don't know if proof's the right word, but like just to show, you know, God is with us, even in those hardest times when we feel like God may not be with us, here's something, here's something concrete that we can talk about that helps us remember that God is with us. So I think that's just kind of like a little piece. Y'all are, y'all are gifts to me and I'm, Grateful to be in ministry with you. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the rest of uh, this episode of Studio Wesley Annex. Hi, friends. If we haven't met, my name is Allison, and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at The Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring, and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview, and it's exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total, and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support, and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us, and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiowesley.org slash wellnessproject. And welcome back to our episode of Studio Wesley Annex. Really excited. Uh, we've been having a beautiful conversation about notifications uh, as, as we were on our break, but we are now back. And uh, we're going to dive right into Psalm 80 with my good friend, Allison. So take it away, my friend. You know, even like knowing the schedule, I for some reason was not prepared for that. Just <laughs> um, Okay, so... I'm going to try not to start off all of these, Derek, with reading the Bible is hard, but I'm going to start off because this is the first, my first time on Annex and reading the Bible is hard. <laughs> and so 
it's one of those things where like I'll read I'll read the scripture whatever it is and I'm like I have no idea what that just said so I'll read it again and sometimes there's like two or three times and it's not setting so then I do some research and usually that kind of like connects things you know seeing how other people have interpreted it seeing other people's thoughts and feelings um, and that kind of lets it sit a little bit so I do that for this um, but one of the things that I always tend to pull out of text is feelings um, I'm a big feeler huge part of who I am. And so like pretty much any scripture I read, I'm going to be like, these are the feelings that I feel at this time or the feelings that I read. Um, and for what is my text? Psalm. <laughs> so for this, um, for this particular Psalm, um, 81 through seven and 17 through 19, there's a lot of feelings um, around this, like anger, but also like wanting of God's presence almost is how it feels of like, not the people's anger, but like God is angry at them. They feel that God is not present for them. They feel that. But there's this line that repeats several times throughout and it says, make your face shine. So they're like, I know you're angry, angry with me, but, you know, make your face shine to us. You know, I know you're upset, but make your face shine to us. And then I had to kind of sit on that one part because that's the piece that kind of like pulled me in the most was make your face shine because I'm not gonna lie for a second. I was like, what does that mean? Why are we making our faces shine? Um, and it took me a few minutes to kind of, after reading through it and reading through Psalm to kind of connect the pieces to realize that um, at least how I see it is they're talking about like um, showing God's presence, like make yourself feel present for us or make us feel your presence. That's what I was trying to say. Um, you know, shed light on us, illuminate us, show us you're there, be present, you know, be here with us. And so I think that there's just um, something so beautiful about that. Like, you know, I know you're upset, but, but, you know, can be here with us still help us through this, help us overcome this with you at the same time. Um, and so I think those are just kind of like the main things that I pull from it um, after all the research. So I think be a light is just kind of that phrase that I associate with a lot of this is like, be that light for us throughout it. Oh, Allison, that was, I mean, just right in. And I, I think, you know, one thing I appreciate about this psalm, uh, verse uh, two, it says, show yourself before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. And just a point, these are the three smallest tribes in the 12 tribes of Israel. And so I think there's this sense of like, because they're small, maybe they, maybe they feel like, God's anger with them, and that's why they're small, right? Like that, and and so like show yourself, like shine, shine on us, like be with us, like and and so I I, I feel some of that as you were talking, felt some of that as you were talking of just what it's like, and y'all know I'm a short person too, and so there's this this feeling like I I I I want God to be with me in part because I'm so yeah, and I don't feel this way anymore, but I used to feel this way, right? Like I'm short. Um, and so, and I sometimes it would even feel like I did something wrong and that's why I'm short, but, but God, would you shine your light on me? Would you show your face, uh, towards me, towards us, all of us shorter people, uh, or smaller, smaller tribes. Right. Um, and so I just, I, I hear, I hear what you just said and immediately it just was reminded of those three tribes, those the smallest tribes in the 12 tribes of Israel uh, and what it might be for them to even like sing this Psalm to God. I love it. Friends, uh, any other thoughts on what Allison uh, put out there for us today? 
I love um, the emphasis that happens here. It happens in Matthew, the Matthew passage for this week too, on on salvation. Um, the re, you know the reason that Jesus comes is um, a good reason, right? The reason that Jesus comes is that anybody and everybody can and will be saved. And so, um, you know, that's the, I think that's exactly why he includes those tribes in this. Uh, I think exactly why the call is like, restore us, oh God. Um, you know, and that's, that's a constant, like, call in this passage is to restore us, which is exactly what, you know, salvation is, is to, to remove our sins from us and return us back to the place in which we have full communion with God. And so, um, I, I love that prayer. I just as a, a total aside, um, not necessarily with this passage, but with the Psalms in general, like I love how honest the Psalms are. Um, I always point, like I'll have students all the time. They'll be like, you know, I'm feeling like really angry with God. And I was like, let me show you somebody else who was right. Um, and I, I love that, that it's, it's a, um, you have, you have the cries for help. You have cries for of anchor. You have cries of just glory, right? All of those exist within that book, um, in a, in a poetic way, and in, in a song filled way, and in, in a way that I think people can relate to. Um, and so I just I love that about Psalms, and, and this is no exception. Yes, I. Um... Uh, I, um, it really brings to mind for me, um, I'm just having a song day, I guess. I had, I had some donuts this morning. Um, they were definitely vegan. Um, so I think like, <laughs> I think I'm kind of getting some hyper energy today. Um, but yes, I, um, it reminds me of that William Matthews, who was a part of the organization once known as the Liturgists. I think it's still, um, I wow, that used to be like my whole life. But um, <laughs> he has a song called Shine, and it's kind of like a banger. Like I, can I use that word? <laughs> what that word means um, it's kind of it's, it's a great song it's like shine shine um and i um i just i agree that it's it's one thing to feel like god is with me right i feel really fortunate and blessed in that i often um in any moment i can remember that god is with me and that gives me a, pe a sense of centering and direction um but it's another thing entirely i don't know to feel that magic with god you know like to feel that um god is present and in that presence there is significance and meaning and action right here in this moment um, and I do believe, you know, I was just on another Advent call and they were talking about how, you know, like you can keep the joy of the Lord with you and that's an internal thing. Um, I think that is like we can have that, but I feel like the shining of God is something that feels like it comes externally to us um, when we feel God um, doing something in that moment. And again, to quote, um, a contemporary hymn. Why is it? The like um, 
I've seen you move, you move the mountains and I believe, um, I'll see you do it again. You know, like you, <laughs> you like, um, I always believe, um, like I'm always believing that God will like come through and make that moment happen again. Um, but it's, um, it's just significant when God, um, when God shows up in that way. And it reminds me to pray fervently that God will show up and shine in that glory way and magically write um, scholarship winning essays for my grad school application. Um, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, but I feel invited to think in this season that is like, you know, it's so dark and so bright and we're surrounded by all this symbolism, but to really think about the ways that um, God is showing up and the Holy Spirit is at work right here and right now. Beautiful. Allison, thank you for that reflection and all that it inspired in us. And so we are getting close to landing this plane and Bryant is going to talk to us about Matthew chapter one. Everybody buckle up because this is going to be beautiful. Uh, so Bryant, go ahead and take it away, my friend. Buckle up. I love that. Uh, you know, I always tell people when they read the scriptures or, or better yet, like when they hear these scriptures, this would be a good example. This is a passage we hear once a year. Um, if we hear it at Advent, right, in, in this season, we might also hear it like Christmas Eve, right, during the reading of the scriptures, like, um, because this is like a story, if we're not going to listen to Luke text, which is the other real popular one, um, then we're going to hear this one. There's So there's just a couple of things that I always tell people, like, pay attention, like listen to it. Cause I think a lot of times what I do is when I hear a passage I've heard before, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his own, then I just like, zone out right and so whenever we can zone back in particularly on things god will always illuminate our eyes to something we haven't seen before which i think is really good and this would be an example of that passage of a passage like that um so a couple of things that are interesting to me in this birth narrative of Jesus. First of all, it follows right after the genealogy. So I always think like if I was the person who like never picked up the Bible and picked it up to Matthew 1 because that was the New Testament and somebody told me to start with the New Testament and I'm reading the New Testament and I get to this so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so begot so-and-so. I mean, he's trying to make the lineage of David. That's the line he's trying to, to write, but like you would get so lost. You're like, what's going on here? Like chapter two, right? And you would skip this section, which is the birth of the Messiah. Um, so I think that's interesting. The other thing, um, when I was reading back through it again, as a familiar passage is this, um, this, contribution of Joseph. Uh, if you compare this to the Luke passage, which is the other popular one we read at Christmas Eve and things, um, like the emphasis in Luke is on the angel. It's on Mary and the angel. And that's how the child is conceived. And, and Joseph almost doesn't have a role, if that makes sense. But in the, in the Matthew passage, Joseph has this really interesting role. And I kind of don't know what to do with his, um, his behavior. In verse 19, it says, her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man, meaning a good man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, which you know, was going to happen when they found out that she was, you know, um, pregnant out of wedlock, um, planned to dismiss her quietly to which I was like, I don't know, man. I think like, if you didn't want to publicly disgrace her, maybe you try to defend her. Maybe, you know, like I get it, like what he's trying to do, but also I feel a little pushback on that. Uh, so I think that's interesting just because Joseph has a, a role here. 
I obviously the narration is set up so that Joseph can have the conversation with the angel, which says like, you're going to do this and you're going to name him this way. And then I love this in 21. He says, um, or the angel says that she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus. Not like, you know, pick Jesus. If that's good, like you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sin, which returned us right back to what we were talking about in Isaiah and talking right back where we were in, in Psalms as well. Um, you know, Jesus is coming for a purpose. You're going to do this and you're part of this giant purpose. Um, and then he says, all of this took place to fulfill what's been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And he quotes Isaiah. Um, I also love that after 23, Derek said this when he um, went through Isaiah, obviously, but um, it quotes Isaiah. It says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel. Isaiah doesn't define that term. It's it's an understood term by Isaiah's listeners. But Matthew says, which means, like in the Hebrew, this means God with us. And so Joseph wakes up from this dream, this conversation he has with this angel, and he does exactly what God um, asked him to do. And there, there are so many points in my life where I, you know, I, I get a sense of what God's doing in my life. And then, but I'm just not bold enough to do it, right? Like, I'm just going to take the easier road out. Um, (laughs) So that's kind of, I feel like that's where Joseph is in this story. He's got this agency and he's involved as compared to the Luke passage, but he's, he's trying to figure out what's the best, what's in the best interest of me, right? Um, uh, Okay, so I'll. I'll dismiss her so she can't be disgraced and then I'll move on to whatever my next thing is. And then I'll be okay. Cause I wasn't the one that broke, broke the law. Right. And I wasn't the one that, and that's kind of how I vision him doing it. And God says, no, 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 buddy. You're a part of this. I really don't see this any different than the story of Jonah where Jonah's like, you know what? I know the way I'm being called, but I'm just going to go a different direction, you know? And God says, no, 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 no. And, how many people do I know that have gone into ministry or something that they've been called to do in their life? And like, they're going to run, right? Like, cause they know what they're supposed to do. They don't have their thing called, but there's so many like practical things in the way. There's so many judgmental voices in the way. There's so many things in the way that get in the way. And um, just knowing that God has a hand in that. And God says, you know what? No, <laughs> um, you're going to have a part in this and I'm going to come and make that be the case. And and also like, I'm going to give you evidence, right? Look, Isaiah said, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. She shall call him Emmanuel. It's going to mean God with us, which means I'm here with you, dude. Like you're not just by yourself. That is, that speaks really loudly, I think here. And I can relate to where Joseph is um, in trying to make that decision and, and then, you know, finally following through with it. Um, I also think it's interesting. I mean, I know that our development of theology, you know, when the scriptures were written and then placed into the biblical like canon and then, you know, where our theology got aligned with, you know, the creeds and uh, the virginity of Mary and all of that. I think it's interesting that that the point is kind of made here. It's almost like Matthew's wanting to make sure that, you know, he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus. Um, Matthew is trying to tell the reader, there is no way that this Jesus is Joseph's biological child. This is God. Um, And, you know, obviously we've used that in our creeds and in our, um, 
our proclamations as Christians for a long time in terms of the virgin birth. Um, but I just think it's interesting that Matthew makes such a big point about it. But I think my big takeaway from here is, can I put myself in the feet of Joseph? And what is it the practicality of what I would have chosen to do versus what he chooses to do? And he's pretty much ready to not follow through until God says, you know what, this is what you're going to do. You cannot run from this call and I'm going to be with you to do it. So that's my take. Uh, can I just jump in? Come on. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I got very excited in the comments because, um, Brian, I, I've spent, and you can't even have these conversations as a Catholic, right? I, I tried to have this conversation with my Catholic friend, and he was like, Brooke, like, I hear what you're saying, but I, I, it's like blasphemy for me to speak ill of a saint. And I'm like, that's really tough. I'm sorry. But I, I have a lot, I have a lot with Joseph. Um, Cause you know, even, even as a little girl, you know, I'm like sitting in the pew, wanting my Christmas presents, listening to this story, loving Mary. And then I hear, I don't know. I'm like a little girl, but I, I already have knowledge, <laughs> somehow have knowledge of this in my head, right? And they're saying, and because Joseph, I, I've got it memorized, like because Joseph was an honorable man, he decided to quietly, um, like quietly break off the engagement or whatever. And I'm like, even as a child, I'm like, no, I understand. Like the consequences are for Mary. If she's pregnant, if she has a baby without a husband, like she can be killed. Like this is not an honorable thing. I don't know. I just, I ask more of Joseph. I don't know. I don't think that's honorable. And again, I'm consistently offended because I know Mary, right? Mary is good. Mary is all that is good and wonderful in the world. And if Joseph, he might not even know her. He might have never met her. But as soon as he saw her and she said, hey, like, this is not my baby. If he, if he was an honorable person who knew truth and justice and light in the world, he would have believed her. Like, believe Mary. I, I have a lot of feelings about that. But I... Um, my friend Grace, um, there, you know, there's that meme that goes around on Facebook. Makes me so mad. It's like, um, it's like the stepdad meme with the family, and then it's like, it's like the stepdad, like I'm the daddy stepped up or whatever. And I, I unfriended Grace over that. I, I blocked her on Instagram temporarily because I. I was like, I have a lot. I, I feel like he could have done better. Um, I appreciate that he has the humility and not say a single word in the gospel because that's what he deserves. But I <laughs> no. But but that said, I every Advent season I come into Advent. I say, you know, right around Thanksgiving, I'm like, this is the Advent. I won't say anything bad about Joseph every time, and I have failed that. I failed that this time. Um, and every time, you know, I've, I've got a pastor who's like, Brooke, but like, think about Joseph. I don't know. I, I, I forget the arguments they make. But I, um, I I am encouraged, Brian, by your by your question and um, putting, putting myself in the place of Joseph because I definitely do have a lot of times in my life where, um, yeah, where 
I feel like I know the right thing to do. I feel like I know what I'm being called to. And it's really hard. Um, and I guess I'm no I'm no better than Joseph, but like I don't think I don't think I would have abandoned Mary to be like murdered by the villagers. But um no, but I um I do I do appreciate thinking taking that from this story. Alice, do you have any thoughts you want to share? I'm so sorry. I couldn't find my mouse just now. Um, yeah, I think that there's just like, you said this a couple of times throughout while you were speaking, Brian, on like, um, you are not alone in this. You phrased it a couple of different ways, a couple of different times. Um, and I want to emphasize that more because I do think, you know, some of those harder life decisions you were talking about, following calls, making choices, wondering if they're, you know, quote, the right ones, you know, what will happen after you make those choices, I think can be so hard and we can get so lost in that we, that we forget that we are not alone. I think that there's these moments where we're so lost in the chaos and in the, you know, the scariness and all the things that we do, we forget that we are not alone in this. And I think that that's just kind of the way you were talking about it and explaining it is such a good representation of that. And I really appreciate you voicing it. Wow. Brian, I, as I'm you know, bringing this closing point, I just have to say, I, I appreciate you taking a passage that we do often hear that it, it, it does seem to trigger Brooke. But I, I'll be honest, that it, it's one of those that, as you said, like I've heard it before. And so I just, it, it kind of goes, uh, it, it gets listened to um, in the background as I'm thinking, you know, uh, of other things. And, and you really kind of brought it in front for us today. And I, and I, I wonder, you know, Brooke, in the same way that you just acknowledged, like it's, it's this interesting moment of like having some real feelings about how Joseph shows up um, in the story. And yet also at some point realizing that there's a little bit of Joseph in each one of us, depending on the context and the story and the moment, right? And, and I, I, I wonder if maybe a connection point, particularly in this season of Advent, is this dual, this dual nature of, on one hand, being so aware of just the injustice that's around us and being so aware of the ways that, um, oh man, like you just, the world is not as it should be and the desire to name that the world is not as it should be. And I, this is where I think of some of the stuff you brought to us, Allison, from Psalm 80, of just this need to just say out loud <laughs> that I, I feel like you're not really as present as we would like you to be <laughs> um, in this space. And also, Advent is a time similar to Lent where we, in some respects, look a little bit inward. And we recognize that some of the injustices in the world sometimes is right inside of us. That we end up looking a lot like the world if we're left to our own devices, right? And so I wonder if this is where we are reminded from Paul, um, if, I'm gonna, if, if I'm gonna talk about me and how I arrive, I need to talk about Christ and how he arrived. And also cry out for Christ's light in our lives. Christ's light in the world, 
but Christ's light in my life. Like shine your light in the world, but oh my gosh, shine your light in me. Show your face to the world, but actually I need you to show your face to me because if you don't show your face, if you don't, if you don't wake me up um, and remind me that you're with me, I might make the wrong call. I might look way too much like the dark world around me. And so with that, um, I'm going to pray for us. And I think I'm praying for us. Am I praying for us? Uh, no, Bryant, actually, would you pray for us as we are closing our discussion? Yeah, of course. Thank you all. Thanks for inviting me on. This was fun. Um, Absolutely. And super, super helpful for me too. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we thank you that you are with us in all things, God, you are with us. And you have made that promise since the beginning that you will always be with us. God, remind us that you came to save us, not to condemn us. You came to, to save us, not to judge us. Not You came to save us, not to destroy us. God, you came to build us up, to encourage us. God, as we um, continue in the Advent season, as we live in the middle of the already but not yet, um, God, as we prepare for the birth of your child, um, God, remind us of those places in which we're being called um, in our lives right now. And maybe people in our lives that are being called and need that encouragement. They need to hear that story that you are with them. Um, so that they can have the courage um, to follow through and to and to be the person uh, that God's calling them to be. Um, God, we ask that you um, keep us safe and healthy in this in this next couple of uh, weeks as we prepare for Christmas. God, for those who are either listening or they're in the community um, who are hurting, um, who who are going without food during this time, God. Um, help the church be the hands and feet to provide um, a loving arm and, and sustenance to those um, that will go without. And for those um, in the community that have lost a loved one, God, we know how difficult these times are. Um, and help the church be that presence in their life because they are missing somebody who um, is so important to them. God, remind them that you are still with them and you are with them through us. We love you and we praise you, God, and we thank you for this um, productive and helpful um, time together where we could share about your word and share about it, what it means and what we see you doing in our lives. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Wow. Oh my gosh, such a great episode. My gosh, Bryant, thank you so much for joining us this week for this episode. Allison, grateful to have your voice in this space. So, so helpful. Brooke, it's always great to dive into the text each week with you. And friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. And uh, we'll see you next week for another episode of Studio. We'll see you next. Everybody have a good one. We'll see you.